Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, we're headed into the long weekend for July 4th. Happy 4th of July to everyone out there. The market will be closed on Monday. So uh, if you have Monday off, I hope you enjoy the long weekend here. And of course, we'll be back with your, you here Tuesday after the close. But we've got a fairly eventful Friday going into the long weekend. As we started off the day with the jobs report from May, or sorry, June, and the market responded pretty positively here to really what can only be considered as a dud of a jobs report here. No matter how the media or the Biden administration try to spin this, just about any way you cut this thing, it was a less than impressive number today. The one beat that we did get here for non-farm payrolls They did come in beating estimates of 725,000 jobs created, coming in at 850,000 jobs created. But that's about where the positive numbers end for the jobs report today. While jobs did increase, so did the unemployment rate, which, you know, at first glance, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Why? How do you create jobs and also have an increased unemployment rate? Well, We do have more people entering the labor force now, which, of course, is a good thing. We want as many employed as possible, able to be out there looking for work. I mean, so many people, whether it was the unemployment benefits or just so discouraged by what happened in the last year that they don't even want to reenter the labor force just yet. So, you know, maybe that's a slight little positive there, but we still have 6.8 million Fewer people employed than from before the pandemic, which, of course, is just a heartbreaking number there. But then you continue to take a deeper look as to what these numbers really mean. And of the 850,000 jobs created, 343,000 of them came from leisure and hospitality. Now, of course, that makes sense. We're reopening, uh, you know. Many states like Texas and Florida have been open for some time, but you got states like New York and California far behind the curve still. Uh, so just getting their leisure and hospitality jobs back, which is, of course, great, but these are typically minimum wage or low-paying jobs. So that means that 40% of the job growth in, in June is minimum wage and low-paying jobs. That's a far different picture than what we had seen under the Trump administration where you get high-paying jobs, people leaving jobs to go get better jobs, right? But in this case, it's a little different. Uh, And of course, we want to get back to full unemployment, but if they aren't jobs that people really want, then that really isn't as much of a win as it looks like from the top line number. That's our take on it here. And when you look back to the Obama administration, you see striking similarities here that this really does is, is already starting to look like the third term of Obama where the job growth that we get is one, it's slow and two, they're low paying jobs, not 
companies hiring top tier positions where people are leaving low paying jobs and getting a great wage. That's just not what you saw in the Obama administration. And one other, before I get to my, my point on this, one other area too is how much they have lowered the expectations of how many jobs should be created. Before, they were talking about, you know, 1.1 million a month or 1.2 million jobs created a month. Well, the optics look better when they say, all right, well, you know, 725,000 was the estimate. Oh, look, we beat it with 850,000. Well, just a few months ago, the expectation was for 1.1 million. So this would be a huge loss, actually, if the estimates were the same. So you can see how even analysts are lowering their expectations for the Biden administration. So you have to look at it somewhat objectively here. But again, very similar to the Obama administration. Set up low estimates so they can come in with a beat, make it look good. But then at the same time, we're seeing higher inflation, slower job growth than what was originally expected, creating the stagflation environment Again, strikingly similar to the Obama years. The slowest recovery out of a recession was under Obama. And now we have Biden trying to do the same thing here. The recovery that we saw, an incredible recovery that we made last year after a complete economic devastation from coronavirus insanity. Well, we looked like we were on the right track, and now that track looks like it's slowing down. Again, very similarly looking to the Obama era of recovery as well. But what we've been talking about here from a market perspective, there is some good news. And that is that this is the Goldilocks number that the market was looking for. It keeps, does its main job of keeping the Fed dovish, which is why the market finished higher today, at least a big part of it on that news of this jobs report. Uh, the Federal Reserve simply cannot do anything other than continue to keep interest rates low with job creation slowing. They can't even come close to tapering. Highly unlikely, highly unlikely they come close to tapering in 2021. As you've heard us say here, we believe that we're on the path now towards QE infinity. It just is going to continue. Interest rates won't even raise likely in 2023 when they're predicting. Uh, the debt's only going to be higher than only making it harder for them to raise rates in 2023. We continue to be in the camp, the small camp at this time. We think that our, our group is going to grow, that we will see negative interest rates uh, in, in our horizon. Just like Europe, just like Japan, we are on the same track here. After Japan started their quantitative easing in 2001 or so, they've never really been able to look back from that, never really been able to get their economy off of the juice that is quantitative easing. And we, we see the same here. So it's coming towards here in the United States. So for better or worse, let's make some find a way to make some money off of that. But on a more positive note here, we are now in Q3. With that, comes the next round of quarterly earnings. We still have a couple weeks before we really get into the meat of earnings. It kicks off with banks in a few weeks from now. And going back to 
uh, uh, the last few quarters, there's been almost nobody who's been more right than the folks at Evercore, Ed Hyman and team have done an incredible job, had the highest estimates for earnings this year at $205 a share. Folks, they just raised that to $220 a share. They also raised their 2022 estimates as well to $250 a share. So there's really maybe we're right in the camp with them. So other than the folks at Evercore and here at the VRA, there's really no one more bullish on earnings. And again, no one who's been more right than Evercore here. So with the S&P 500 at $250 a share in earnings, that would give us a forward P.E. ratio of just a 17. That's pretty incredible where we've come from. But that means that we need to start asking the question now. Are U.S. markets getting cheap on a valuation basis? Now, to a lot of people, that might sound like heresy uh, given the valuations and, and the forward-looking estimates that we've seen. But we got to ask the question, and that continues to serve our theme here well that this melt-up higher is in its infancy. Folks, we are just in the second year of this bull market here. And bull markets tend to last at least four to five years. The last one lasted 10. If it weren't for a coronavirus insanity, it would have continued. Uh, so we expect the melt-up higher move to continue. And with that, let's take a look at our markets on the day-to-day. -day. Saw a number of new all-time highs today saw it in the nasdaq got it from the q's which is the nasdaq 100 and the s p 500 hit an all-time high for the seventh day in a row today pretty incredible and then we also had the russell 1000 and the russell 3000 hitting all-time highs here again and the list does go on i'll get to some more here later in the podcast but first, let's take a look at our major indexes on the day. We were led by the NASDAQ, hitting an all-time high here, up eight-tenths of 1%, uh, just over that to 14,639. We were followed there by the S&P 500, up uh, three-quarters of 1% to 4,352. Next up was the Dow Jones, up 0.44% to 34,786, which, if I'm not mistaken is just above the Dow Jones all-time closing high. So yes, the Dow Jones all-time high is 35,091, but that day it closed at 34,742, which was our all-time high. I think there might have been a close uh, right in that range as well, but so that puts us 40 points above that. So all-time closing high, from the Dow today, we've been talking about that here. The Dow Jones wants to play catch-up, did a lot of that today. Uh, we fully expect we'll get back to all-time highs there as well. And then lastly on the day, the Russell 2000 was our one index to finish lower on the day today, down 1% to 2,305. And folks, remember this. We are now in the two most bullish weeks of the year. And it couldn't be with better timing, really. I was just talking about earnings. We have about two weeks to go before earnings reports. And in the last four quarters, the two weeks ahead of earnings have been huge weeks leading up to the bank's first reporting. So we're about two weeks away now, and we're in the most bullish two weeks of the year. 
we fully expect a big move higher going into earnings. The question then is, do we see a repeat of Q1 where we got a little bit of a buy the rumor, sell the news event, took tech down, uh, almost a correction territory there. The semis didn't hit an all-time high for about three months after that, uh, but we are there, or close to it at least now. We are there in tech, getting close again on semis, just hit all-time highs earlier this week in the semis. But uh, you know we'll be watching closely, which leads me perfectly into my next point, looking at the internals on the day-to-day. This is one area, no real red flags yet, but flashing some yellow flags here. And again, another reason why we might be heading into a hugely bullish two weeks before we get a little bit of a buy the rumor, sell the news event, not saying we're going to have a huge pullback after that, but we might see a little pause. By that time, we should be hitting extreme overbought territory as well on our major indexes. We're really, you know, we're approaching that on some of our VRA momentum oscillators, but we're not quite there yet. So we think we have some room to run as I said a few times now. But so looking at our internals on the day today, we did get a positive number in the advanced decline for the NYSE. Let me get a quick refresh here. Sometimes you get a few updated numbers right after the close. So yes, we did finish positive on advanced decline from the NYSE. We did come back negative though on the NASDAQ. But then new 52-week highs to lows. Yeah, they came in better than they were when I ran these numbers about 15 minutes ago. We finished with, let's see here, 335 stocks hitting 52-week highs. Solid number there to just roughly 56 stocks hitting 52-week lows. Continued outperformance there. Really, 52-week lows, monthly lows, quarterly lows have been quiet. So until those numbers start to pick up, there's really no reason for this market to head any lower from here. And lastly, volume did come in negative for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. So again, something to watch for here. Then next up, taking a look at our sectors on the day today, we finished with nine out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. No surprise here with the NASDAQ leading. Tech also led the way as XLK, the tech ETF, hit an all-time high today. The semis were up, <clears throat> as we talk about here often. We want to see tech leading, and you want to see semis lead tech. Well, the semis didn't lead tech today, still up a nice 0.65%, just below their all-time high. But we'll still take tech leading the way. That's the bull market that we want to be a part of, and we think the semis will continue to uh, take over that leadership role here. We were followed there by consumer discretionary. Uh, let me do a quick check here. That is an all-time high as well from consumer discretionary. So that's an extra one to add to my list here. We were followed there by communication services, also hitting an all-time high today. And then next up, healthcare, also all-time high today, breaking out here. Uh, so that's our top four sectors on the day, all hitting all-time highs. Next up was real estate and consumer staples. Our two laggards on the day were the financials and energy. Energy stocks just taking a slight break, only down uh, one-tenth of one percent or so, similar to the price of oil on the day. And with that, let's take a look at our VRA commodity watch. Gold now higher on the day, up 0.65% to 1,788 an ounce. Silver 
up a nice 2% on the day today to $26.59 an ounce. And silver really starting to look pretty good on a chart here. Has consolidated nicely right at its 200-day moving average. Been making uh, closing well above it a few days in a row now. Starting to form a nice little base. And this makes it look even a little bit better after today's action. Uh, looking like it's set up for his next next move higher. Copper up as well on the day, uh, just over 1% to $4.28 a pound. Oil, like I mentioned, taking a slight breather, down just one-tenth of 1%. Still above $75 a barrel, though, at $75.16 a barrel. And lastly for today, Bitcoin, now up slightly, uh, up by two-tenths of 1% to 33171 a Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. Excuse me. Uh, Sorry. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Again, we hope you all have a great 4th of July. Go out, celebrate, celebrate with family and friends, really as many people as possible. It's time for us to get back to some sense of normalcy here and enjoy your long weekend. We'll see you back here on Tuesday after the close.